Hey, this is Pastor Rob Miller from Reclamation Church. Just want to say thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray that this message is completely life-giving and life-changing and that you take the blessing of the Word of God with you everywhere you go this week and pour into somebody else around you. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. So we're continuing our series after God's heart, and we're looking at the life of David, King David. He was called a man after God's heart, and we're finding that in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. And that's huge, that part right there. And the whole big idea behind this series is getting a heart And having a heart that is literally pursuing and chasing after the heart of God. We are after God's heart. And when we we pursue him and he becomes our, our ultimate treasure, our ultimate desire, right? And he becomes our ultimate passion, we begin to produce the character of God's heart. In other words, we become the product of the heart of God. So we're all about learning how to pursue and chase after the heart of God and learning the characteristics of a person after God's heart. And last week, again, we've been looking at the ups and downs of David. Last week was the lowest of lows in David's life. We looked at 2 Samuel chapter 11. It was the story of David and Bathsheba. David was the king of Israel. He was supposed to go off to war. It says at the opening of that chapter that at the time when kings go out to war, David stayed in Jerusalem. He had taken his eyes off of his responsibilities. He has taken the focus off of his responsibility as king. And one thing led to another. It snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. He ended up in adultery with Bathsheba. He got her pregnant. He ended up trying to kill her husband. He did kill her husband and took Bathsheba as his own and raised the baby uh, as his own, which was his own anyway. But it just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And, and we look at it as the greatest cover-up story in history. And some of us have been there. We've tried to cover up some of our wrongs and some of our sins. And, but I want to encourage you and I want to remind you that there's hope. Because the greatest cover-up in story is not David and Bathsheba. The greatest cover-up in story in history is not even Adam covering himself with fig leaves. The greatest cover-up story in history is when Jesus Christ died on my cross and his blood covered my sins so that I can be a man after God's heart. And he covered and blotted out my sins. And that is the greatest cover-up in history. And repentance is the key to that covering. And I know I I preached a long time last week, but I want (laughs) to... I want to continue this thought process today, this living in repentance, answering the call to repentance. And I promise I'm going to try to keep it short today, but I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead and I'm going to preach what the word, what God has given me. Amen. But we have to live in repentance, understanding that sin knocks me off of my path. Sin knocks me off of my pursuit of God's heart. And so repentance is that realignment. Repentance is getting right back onto the way, the truth and the life. Repentance is coming back to the heart of God and coming back to, to, to that transformation, back into the way, set free by the truth that is found in his word so that I can enjoy the life that God has for me, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And it's a change in a direction of life. It's a change of pursuit because sin, if we're pursuing after sin, we're pursuing away from the heart of God. 
And so we learned last week, we looked at a, that example, that illustration of, of being in the military, being in the army, drill and ceremony, you're, you're marching in, and the commander gives the orders, rear march. And, and what that looks like is an immediate turn around. It's a change in direction. It's a change in pursuit. It's not just a, it's not just a turn around and stop. It's a turn around and move. And, and move back to the heart of God. And, and that transformation, that repentance is what we're looking at. Getting back onto the path of God. That change of pursuit. And people after God's heart live in pursuit of his heart. Amen. That means he has to be the desire of my heart. He has to be the treasure of my heart. So today I want to continue the story of David and look at his response to correction. Remember we closed out last week. Nathan said, you are the man. Anybody ever called you out on something? You're like, bro, really? You ain't got to do me like that. Right? So Nathan calls him out. And, and, but there's, there's really something really cool that I want to talk about today, and that is David's response. David's response to correction. So when the prophet Nathan confronts David about his sin, David responds with repentance and transformation. And it was David's confession and repentance that led to a recovery of God's grace. See, sin separates us from the heart of God, but his grace invites us to restoration in unity with him and recovery. We talked about the greatest cover, the, the grace of God covers us. So I want to talk about today about the recovery, being covered again. We, can't, we, we may have forsaken the covering of God, but let's, let's talk about recovering today. Amen. We're looking at the heart of David. So last week we... We left off with the, the story of Nathan telling David, you are the man and how important it is that we all have a Nathan in our life to help us walk, to help us stay in pursuit. But we also need to learn from the heart of David and his response. So we're going to pick up where we left off. Second Samuel chapter 12. We're going to read 7 to 14. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 7 to 14. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If not, we'll have the scripture up behind me. Thank you, Lewis, for putting my countdown up there. I didn't have that last week. I'm going to blame it on the countdown, right? I've got a clock today. I'm going to stay on, I'm going to stay on target. Stay on target. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7 to 14. It says, Nathan then said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, it is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. In other words, this isn't your doing. Your prosperity, where you are and your success is not because of you, David. I'm the one who put you there. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, if that wasn't enough, David, if that wasn't enough, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight, you have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and you have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword, listen, this is the consequence. This is the consequence of sin in David's life. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart your house, because you have despised me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own house. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before of all Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, Bro, why you got to do me like that? No. 
This is the heart of a person after God's heart. David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And I love this. And Nathan said, the Lord has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. Let's just pray right there for a moment. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can be here today to learn to adopt the character of a man and a woman after your heart. We pray, God, that the Lord, that there would be a transformation, an inner work today. Lord, that would be reflected in who we are outside. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me, let me remind you what we hit last week. We, we talked about this last week. God exposes our sin not to shame us, but to change us. God exposes our sin to change us, to bring us back to the heart of God. It's not to, to put us in a corner. It's not to shame us. It's not to, to embarrass us and guilt trip us. It is to change us and an invitation to come back to his heart. Amen. God exposing that is showing his love and it's showing his grace. He reveals sin not to expose you to shame, but to expose you to his changing grace. Because sin separates us from the heart of God. Grace reunites us to the heart of God. But grace and sin cannot abound together. Amen? One has to replace the other. So, so exposing our sin and, and, and encouraging us to repentance is not about shaming us. It's about inviting us into the grace of God. And we, look, we can look at Nathan in one of two ways. We can look at him and be like, bro, why are you so judgmental and condemning? Doesn't that sound familiar? Why are you so judgmental and condemning? Or we can look at it as God extending an invitation for David to come back to his heart. And so when, when we use the word, because the word is profitable for reproof and for correction and for training, right? And for teaching. So when we use the word, we go back to the truth. The truth will set you free. So when we go back to the truth that is found in the word, it's not that we're looking at somebody who's judging us and condemning us. We're looking at somebody speaking the truth into our life to bring us back to the heart of God. To come back into relationship with him to come back and, and accept that invitation. And here's the thing that we really need to understand. We have to deal with sin with God, not apart from God. Because you can't do this on your own. You cannot change who you are. God can. What you can do is change the outer man. But if the inside is still rotten to the core, the outer man is eventually going to show that anyway. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is on the inside will come out. So there has to be an inner working in our life. And you can't do that. Only God can do that through the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's huge that we understand we have to deal with it with God, not apart from God. And there's always an invitation for that. So Nathan confronting David is God working through him to pull him back to his heart. Without God, the problem of sin is never resolved. Never resolved. And last week we saw God initiating Nathan and, and moving him to confront David. And that's, that's the thing I really want to hear us to hear today. God initiates. 
man responds. This is God initiating a confrontation with Nathan to bring him back to his heart. And it was up to David to respond correctly. It's up to you and me to respond to the call correctly. That's the beauty about living and loving and serving our Lord and our God. It's the beauty of choice. We have a choice. Do we respond or do we not? Do we RSVP or do we just blow it off? There's an invitation to come back to the heart of God. So we have to understand it is God initiating and it is our response to that. And so David, I love it. As soon as Nathan confronts him, David repents immediately. Immediately, he says, I have sinned against the Lord. And I love it because Nathan says, your sins are forgiven. Immediately. And it's, it's, it's God initiating, David responding, and God responding to his response. And that's how we need to live our life. God initiates, we respond to what he, what he is telling us and moving us. There's no denial, there's no excuses, there's no beating around the bush. It is, yes, I have done this. And this is what I love. David, or Nathan responds immediately. Uh, the sin has taken, the Lord has taken away your sin and you are not going to die. And that's the God's ultimate purpose. Not to condemn you, but to restore you. Jesus came not into this world to condemn the world, but that through him and only through him, the world would be saved. There's no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not those who are around Christ Jesus. Let me, not those who just show up once a week to be around Christ Jesus. It says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if I am in his heart, then his heart is in me. Amen. Amen. He didn't come to condemn. He came to restore. And so David repents and God forgives him. And, and we see this expressed in two different psalms. And I'm going to read the first six verses of these psalms. Psalm 32, 1 through 6, it says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. And blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. I just love me some David. Love reading some Psalms. Verse 5 says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. In other words, I stopped hiding. I got tired of hiding. I, I, I let it all out. I let it all go. And he says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Listen, this is very key. Verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Pray to him while he may be found. There's coming a day where you won't be able to find him no more. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your chance to respond to the grace of God. Amen. And we learn from David firsthand how to recover from that sin. And this is the prayer that he makes to God after Nathan's visit. We see it in Psalm 51, 1 through 6. And it says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away 
my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. And against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may prove right when you speak and justify when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. In other words, he's acknowledging that I was born into sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us are born into sin. And verse 6 says, Surely you desire truth in the inner parts, not just on the outside. You desire truth on the inner parts, and you teach me wisdom in the inmost places, on the inside. There's something that has to happen on the inside. So I want to look at, look at how do we live in recovery? How do we, as people after God's heart, as a man and as a woman after God's heart, how do we live in recovery? Because we are all born into sin. We all fall short. We all live covered by our own covering. But how do I live in an uncover and a recovering of God's grace? To let go of who I am and to lay hold of who he is. The first one is this. Take responsibility for your sin. Take responsibility for your sin. Look, I'm, I, I was this, I'm going to tell you this story. Y'all don't laugh at me. It's kind of funny. Some of y'all be like, no way, way. Here I am, young Rob Miller, 18, 19 years old. I knew everything. Y'all couldn't tell me nothing. Driving my 1996 Dodge Neon. Loved it. It was amazing. I knew everything, right? Paying my own bills, doing my own thing. Who knew cars needed oil changes? Not Rob Miller. <laughs> and I remember hearing my dad saying, hey, look, when's the last time you had an oil change? I got it, Dad. Don't worry about me. Worry about yourself. That sound familiar? So here I am driving down 87. This is coming through Fort Bragg. This is before they did the 295 roundabout thing. So I'm driving through Fort Bragg, 96 Dodge Neon. It just stops. This had done this before because I ain't changed my oil. <laughs> so I was like, this is cool. I'll just pull off to the side. I'll let it cool down for a minute, and then I'll just start it back up. I didn't know it was an oil thing, right? I've learned. Hallelujah. I have learned. Y'all go home, right? When you get in the car after church today, check. Do you need an oil change? Go get your oil change. This is y'all's like monthly checkup. Go, <laughs> go get your oil change. So I pull off to the side of the road, and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm turning, and some of the mechanics in here, y'all mechanics are laughing already. Right? <laughs> Daryl, don't judge me and condemn me. So I'm like, I'm turning the key. It's like nothing, it just goes. I was like, all right. Well, I got gas. I know it's not the gas. So I called my dad. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm stuck on the side of the road, 87, coming through Fort Bragg. Over by where, y'all remember where the fairgrounds used to be? Do they still have those? Anyways. Right, literally like right next to that. So, hey, Dad, car broke down. Oh, what's wrong with it? I don't know, just stop. I mean, it's a 96 Dodge Neon. <laughs> so we take, it, we take it to the scrapyard because I can't afford a mechanic. <laughs> so we take the scrapyard. The guy looks at it. He's like, yeah, your engine is seized. It's done. I was like, oh, man, why? 
<laughs> it ain't got no oil in it. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, now what do I do? I was like, you're going to have to get a new car. I was like, I can't afford a new car. I can't even get the oil changed. <laughs> so the guy at the scrapyard, the junkyard, he's like, look, I might have a 96 Dodge Neon here in the scrap. It might have an engine in it. I can replace the engine for you for 600 bucks. I was like, do it. Let's just do it. It never ran the same since, but it ran. It worked. So this is what I want to point out to you. Pastor, why are you talking about your failures? Why, why are you talking about how stupid you were? Because sometimes we're stupid. Can I just say that? Sometimes, sometimes we're stupid. Why does a car need oil? There's three reasons why a car needs oil. Number one, it acts as a lubricant to keep the parts running smoothly. That's number one. Number two, and I love this. I want you to hear this from your spiritual ears, okay? Number two, the reason a car needs oil is it cleans the engine. What do you mean? It keeps debris from building up inside of the engine. And it keeps it clean, transporting the debris to the filter. Some of you are like, wow, that's what oil does? Yes, that's what oil does. Right? That's number two. Number three... Uh, uh, number three is it keeps the engine cool. When oil gets old, it loses its effectiveness. And that's why we need an oil change. Listen, you are responsible for the oil in your life. You are responsible for the anointing on your life. And, and we can't just walk around living on yesterday's oil. Because if we do, it, keeps, it doesn't keep the debris from building up. That debris, that sin, remember, remember David started with one thing and it snowballed and it just kept building and building and building. It, if we don't take care of the oil, all of that is going to keep on building up inside of us. And it doesn't move to the filter. It don't, we, if, we don't, if we're not careful, it won't move through the filter of God's word and filter out of our life. And so we have to be careful and we take responsibility for the oil in our life. David was anointed with oil. He forsook his responsibility with the oil and debris kept building up. If we're not careful, if we're not responsible for the oil, it's going to keep building up in our life. And here's the thing. When it does build up in our life, we need an oil change. We need the Holy Spirit to come in and just give us an entire new engine. We need the Holy Spirit to come in and give us an entire new heart. Heart after God's heart. Amen. Change your oil. You are responsible for the oil in your life. Like the engine without oil, sin breaks down our relationship with God. And we cannot hope for restoration or begin the restoration until we know the extent of the damage. I had to go to the mechanic. I had to go to the junkyard and say, hey, what's up? And it was after I went in for the checkup did he tell me what the result and what the, 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 the healing thing that needed to be done, the resolution, the solution to the problem. And the solution was a whole new engine. And so what we do is we take our life, our problem to God and say, God, I need a checkup. What's wrong? Bro, you just need a whole new engine. You need a whole new heart. Let me take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and put a new spirit in you. We need to have that oil change. Repentance is a spiritual oil change in our life. And I love how David said, have mercy on me. 
He opens up in Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God. See, up until this point, Scripture was all about, have, may God have mercy on you. May God have mercy on us. May God have mercy on them. This is the first time in Scripture where, where David is saying, God, have mercy on me. He's making it personal. This is between me and you. Nobody else is responsible for this. Have mercy on me. And up until this point, there was theological declarations all through the word about being, being gracious to them or being gracious to us. And this is the first time. Look, your relationship with God, you have to take it personal. It's great to be in a group and it's great to come to church and be with the body of Christ, but your relationship is between you and God. It's great to have a praying mother. It's great to have a praying father. It's great to have a praying pastor that's praying for you day in and day out, but your salvation is worked out between you and God alone. You have to take it personal. Be responsible for your salvation. Amen? And I love it because that word, have mercy, has the connotation of a superior bending down or stooping down in kindness to an inferior. So it's David saying, God, you are the, the mighty one. I am just, I'm just, I'm the lowly guy. I'm submitting to you, but I need you. So it's an, David is now inviting, listen, David is inviting God to come down to him. God, have mercy on me. But it's not that, that he's asking God to stoop down to his level. That's not what it is. This word mercy is saying, I need you to come down to be with me. And we all know God sent his son, Emmanuel, God with us. So there's an invitation. God has an invitation for, for man to come to him, but there has to be an invitation in our, heart, in our heart and in our life where we say, God, I invite you, have mercy on me to come in. I invite you, have mercy on me. And here's the thing. He's not asking the Lord to lower himself. He's asking the Lord to lift him up. I'm not asking you to come down to, to, to come down to my level. I'm asking you to come down so you can lift me up. And David was known for this. Throughout, throughout his story in First and Second Samuel, it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. David uplifted himself in the Lord, which literally means to join together. David joined together with God. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's what we need to learn. People after God's heart, not only do we accept the invitation, we invite God to come down and join together with us. When you're struggling with anything, it should be pushing us closer to God, not away from the heart of God. We need pursuing hard after him. So David in his confession and acknowledgement and taking responsibility of his sin is him responding to the invitation to come back to God, to be rejoined together with him. Amen. Number two, this is huge. Understand the stain of your sin. Understand the stain of your sin. To fully understand the power of the covering of God's grace, we have to understand the power of the stain of sin. It's like staining your carpet. How many of y'all have ever stained your carpet? All the parents are like, yeah. Here's what grace is not. Let's just say 
I've got this huge stain up here on the stage. This, this is what I want you to understand. Grace is not just covering. Now y'all can't see the stain. Right? Kids, we do this. I remember maybe probably doing this growing up. Stain on the carpet. What, what, what do we try to do? We try to cover it so mom don't see it. We try to hide it. <laughs> y'all never done that. That was just me. We try to hide it, right? And, and so we think nobody can see it. I'm covered by the grace of God. This is an artificial covering. If we continue in sin expecting grace to cover it, listen, grace is not an excuse for sin. We cannot continue in sin while expecting to have grace. It, the, saint, the stain is still there. If I were to remove the blanket, if I were to remove the rug, it, the stain is still there. So grace is not just covering. Grace is a deep removal of the sin, the stain of sin. It's the great stain remover. It's better than OxyClean. But wait, there's more. Right? So grace doesn't just cover our sin. It digs down deep and dives down deep and removes it. See, sin stains, but God's grace is the stain remover. Grace is not a covering to continue in sin. It is a remover uprooting sin, even the toughest of stains. Spiritual OxyClean. Amen. And so we think, like David, our sin is just too deep. Sometimes maybe one of you, are, maybe somebody's in here thinking, my sin is just too deep. It's, it's just too painful. It's too dark. It's too messy. I, you, you don't understand. I, there's no way to clean up this stain. There's no way to remove this filth, this muck, this stain from my record. Listen, don't forget that there is a judge who can clear your record. I looked it up. I was like, can you clear a criminal record? Not that I have a criminal record. I was just looking it up. <laughs> Confession. I looked it up. Can you clear a criminal record? There is a way. But here, here it is. Listen, depending on the crime. That, see, that's, that's the, the caveat. Depending on the crime, you can fill out a petition to clear record. Take it before a judge and a jury. And if the judge agrees to clear your arrest from your record, he or she will sign the order. And then that, the, the clerk, court, court, court clerk will send a certified copy of the order to return or destroy all criminal records related to that offense. Dependent on the crime. And if the judge sees fit, he will sign the order. Listen, we serve a judge who's already signed the order. And he signed it in blood. He signed it in his blood. And he's waiting for you to approach the bench with your petition saying, please forgive me. Listen, he's already signed the order. You just got to come and petition and say, God, please forgive me of this. Please clear my record. And it's already signed. You just got to walk up and get the order. That's it. That's the amazing beauty of God's grace. It's already signed, ready for you to approach the bench and say, Father, Forgive me. And here's the thing. He sends a certified covenant to the devil and says, you cannot remember this sin no more. You no longer have a hold on this man or this woman's life. I have signed the order with my blood and there is no way that it can be broken. 
So not only does he remove it, not only is the, the deep stain remover, he forgets it completely and throws it out of the court and says, you have no power here. Amen. And I love this because it is not dependent upon your sin. It is dependent upon your repentance and his grace. There is no sin too big. There is no sin too far. It is dependent upon your repentance. And that's what David does here in Psalm 51. The next three verses, he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquity. God, I need you to remove the stain of my sin to clear my record. And when God clears your record, no devil in this world can hold it over your head. And instead of shame, I say it over and over again, instead of shame, you will have double honor. Never to remember it again. And your story of sin will now become his story of grace and forgiveness. Amen. And the only way you can come clean, the only way you can come clean with God and he comes to clean you is through repentance. That complete change and transformation. See, David longed for a clean heart and a cleansed heart to be whiter than snow, to be like a clean page. And praise God, his grace turns the page in our life and a new story, his story begins. Amen. And the only solution here is that I have to bring it to God. He has to be part of this. He has to be invited into this. And I love what he says, cleanse me with hyssop. This is a reflection of the law. The only ultra clean wash provided in the law was the use of hyssop. If somebody had leprosy, they had to go and use hyssop. If there was some kind of ritual cleaning, it involved hyssop. Uh, it was for the removal of sins of defiled people in a purification ceremony. David compared himself with a cleansed leper who needed the declaration of a priest to make him ceremonially clean. Father, priest, the high priest, make me clean. But here's the thing, ritual cleansing from the law is not enough. It's not enough to clean the outside. It's got to go in. It's not enough to cover the outer work. It needs to be covered on the inside, an inner work. And I love what, what David says. He says, create in me a pure heart, a clean heart, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. And, and when I read that, the word pure is like I think of a refining fire. You can look up different ways of how gold is refined. And, and one of the ways is they pump in chlorine, gaseous chlorine into it. I don't know how it all works. I just know that the impurities that are in it rise to the top. So the impurities that are inside the gold rises to the top. It rises to the surface. And the metal worker will slide off the surface, the impurities. See, there has to be an inner work. We have to be, I love that song. I want to be tried by fire, purified. Down deep inside, let the impurities rise to the top. Listen, if they rise to the top, that means they are seen. But it's only after they're seen that we find freedom. When the light shines in the darkness. Amen. I want to be pure. I want to be made free. 
Amen. So we have to understand that we can't do this alone. He says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit inside of me. There's two things. I need, I need a clean heart. I need a heart after yours, but I also need your spirit inside of me. And we see this again in Ezekiel 36. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You will be clean and I will cleanse you from all impurities, from all of your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit inside of you. And I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and put my spirit in you. It is the spirit that empowers us to release sin and to lay hold of his word, to let go of my way, follow his way, the way, the truth, and the life, which is my last point. And we can, Tim, you can go ahead and come up. Take responsibility, understand the stain. Last one, reclaim your pursuit of his heart. Reclaim your pursuit of his heart. Amen. Psalm 51, 16 to 19, continuing on with David's response to Nathan. It says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise these things. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. And bulls will be offered on your altar. In other words, what do we offer to relief of sin? Y'all, I love me some steak. Yesterday I had a tom- Y'all ever had a tomahawk steak? It's like, this is about that big. About three pounds, and it's got the huge bone on it. Y'all ever had it before? If you have it, please go get it. Go to the, go to the Carolina Butcher Shop in Anger. Y'all, it'll change your world. So good. But I love what David is saying here. It, it's, not about, it's not about burnt offerings. It's not about the cut. It's about the brokenness. My sacrifice to God has to be my broken heart to break my will so that I adopt his will. Would you stand with me today? A person after God's heart is a repentant sinner, one who feels heavy hearted from the weight of sin in his heart. And he understands the broken heart of God because his or her heart is also broken. Listen, if you've never prayed this before, I want you to pray it. Father, break my heart for what breaks yours. If you want to feel the heart of God in your life, say, Father, break my heart for what breaks yours. And you'll, here's the, here's the uncomfortable thing. You'll realize that a lot of heartbreak is done on your own. And so David says, it's the broken and contrite heart that you take delight in. Because as now I understand with my broken heart that yours is shattered too. And not only has your heart broken, not only is my heart broken, here is the tragedy. My heart is broken away from his heart. And that's what sin does. When sin comes in, it breaks us away from the heart of God. More than just broken, it means crushed into a million pieces, shattered. 
It says, God delights in these in our repentant heart, a broken and contrite heart. So David is acknowledging that he's not just broken God's heart, he's broken away from God's heart. So don't stay heavy hearted. Don't stay broken hearted. And by that I mean broken away from the heart of God. Because that's exactly where the devil wants you to be. Away from the heart of God. We need to be reunited with him. Look, here's the difference. You have Peter, an apostle and disciple of Jesus Christ. You have Judas, a disciple and apostle, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Both sinned. Both cried. One repented. And I love it because the, the Bible says that, that, that God built his kingdom on David built his church on Peter. People with repentant hearts, broken, and rejoined, recovered back to the heart of God. God used David to establish Israel. God used Peter to establish his church. And I want to read this as I close. I saw this a friend of mine shared this this morning on Facebook, and I was like, wow, this is like so appropriate with what we're talking about today. He said, meaningful change comes from within. Meaningful change comes from within, and people who experience it become a testament and inspiration. People who experience that meaningful change and transformation within become a testimony, a testament, and an inspiration to others. And I love it because David says in Psalm 51, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Listen, he's saying, God, use me as a teaching point. Use my life to show others that it is not about shame, that it's not about putting David in a corner. It's about bringing me back to the heart of God and that there is hope for everybody. That is the love of God. Yes, you're born into sin. Yes, He loves you in your sin. But He loves you too much to leave you that way. And so He wants to change us and transform us so that we can reflect the character. We can reflect the heart of Jesus Christ. And all it takes is one step to turn around. And say, Father, forgive me. Clear my record. I need to be made new in you. And the people who fail to realize that change starts within become the destructive ones. See, see, if Nathan had not approached David and said, and called David out on his sin, then people would think, I can do what I want. God loves me anyway. This is why we need a Nathan in our life. 
because people outside of the church are looking in. And then when they see people in the church not acting in the heart of God, then they think they're just as well off as we are. They think it's an easy way into heaven. Look, the way is narrow and less traveled. And it's never going to be easy. But I love it because we can say, God, have mercy on me. And he comes and dwells with us and does life with us. The outer character then reflects inner works. I love what Jesus says in John 7, 37 and 38. He says, if anyone thirsts, are y'all thirsty? Are you hungry? He says, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Is life flowing from you or are excuses flowing from you? Father, we love you. We thank you that you have invited us to repentance. You've invited us into your heart to come back to you. And Father, if there's anybody here today that's running and running hard from your heart or, or they're living a life that is contrary and contradictory to your heart. Father, I pray that they would hear your voice today. Holy Spirit, begin to reveal these things to our hearts. Bring us back to you. We need you. Have mercy on us today. Come, be with us. Lift us up out of the miry clay. And set our feet upon a rock, our firm foundation, so that we can build our life on you and live life abundantly in you and with you. I pray for change and transformation and a commitment today. Not just a one-time prayer, but an enveloping, consuming change in our life where your word becomes our word. Every word that we say is a reflection of your word. Where your heart becomes our heart today. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. I, I, I have to ask, if you're here today, you need to seek repentance. You need a change. You've been following your heart and not the heart of God. You're lost. You need a Savior. I want to ask you to raise your hand today. Maybe you're watching online. Drop it in the comments and say, I need a Savior. We'll have somebody get on there and pray with you and lead you. You're here today and you've prayed that prayer before, but you've, you've kind of strayed away and you need to make that recommitment here and now. Listen, you are not promised tomorrow. Pray to him while he may be found. Seek him while he may be found. If that's you here today, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it boldly. You know you need a change. 
You know you, know you need to change your life. You need to re rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. And today you are making that commitment to follow hard and pursue hard after him. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. Father, come on church, pray it with me. Father, I love you. I thank you for sending your son. Not to condemn me, but to save me. To rejoin me in relationship with you. I believe that you sent your son to save me. And today I am committing my life. I'm committing my heart to follow hard after you. Help me to reflect your heart. Thank you for calling me your son or daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this week's message from Reclamation Church. We pray it was a blessing to you. We want to encourage you to take this message everywhere, everywhere with you and pour into those around you. And if you would love to be a blessing to the Reclamation Church ministry, you can easily give at our website at reclamationchurch.faith. Scroll down to the bottom and click on online giving. Or you can even text to give any dollar amount to 84321 and set up a giving account with Reclamation Church. Again, we pray that this was a blessing. Be a blessing to those around you this week. And may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you with the light of his countenance and, be, uh, and give you peace this week. Amen. Be blessed.